I'm here with Reginald Braithwaite, who's a software developer and well-known blogger. He's also the author of four LeanPub books, all of which have been created since November 2011. We're going to talk today about Reg's blogging, his books, his experiences as a writer, and about his experiences using the Lean Publishing approach on LeanPub. We're also going to talk about ways we can improve LeanPub for him at the end of this podcast, since LeanPub is a lean startup and we're doing the customer development process of listening to our customers. So thanks, Reg, for being on the Lean Publishing podcast. My pleasure, indeed. So a few days ago, you wrote a fictional resignation letter, which uh, made the front page of Reddit and Hacker News, and also its clarification also made Hacker News. Uh, tell me about that. Well, I, uh, I wrote a parable. Some people call it satire. I just thought it was a parable. And I didn't actually write, you know, put huge disclaimers, this is fictional and so on. I just relied upon the kinds of people who read the kinds of things I write to sort it out. <laughs> and um, yes, the vast majority of people who read it uh, were perfectly aware that it was uh, a parable or satirical. Yeah. Um, but a small number didn't. And um, my observation is that when people believe something, their uh, personal emotional investment in that belief is proportional to the amount of, to the size of the leap of faith they have to make to believe it. So if I tell you that, um, you know, Lisp is a profoundly enlightening programming language that will forever change the way you write software, I'm borrowing something from Eric Scott Raymond there, um, but I don't actually provide you with any evidence, but you try Lisp and you feel that way, um, you can become very emotionally invested in this idea, even though you don't actually have much evidence for it. And and uh, and um, th this is something I've observed in a lot of fields, not just technology. And uh, I did get a bit of a backlash from people who uh, complained that it was fictional. Hmm. They even used the word fake, which I, I'm, I didn't debate with anyone on the internet. But I think to say something is fake implies a um, an intent to deceive. Right. As opposed to say something, the <laughs> word I prefer is fictional. Mm -hmm. But I understand um, how people feel because uh, there were people who made an emotional investment. They weren't actually presented with a lot of evidence that, that it was a true person who truly resigned. Uh, if anything, the opposite. I'd left a number of clues that, you know, in retrospect for most people were quite obvious that it was fictional. But when people make that um, that emotional sort of investment in believing something without a lot of evidence, they, they, they can get upset when, when that belief is overturned. And uh, um, I'm sure uh, listeners to this podcast can extrapolate that to a lot of other uh, areas <laughs> of our lives. Yes. Um, so, so, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, actually, this is, leads me into uh, the next idea. Of, your blog, blog posts often um, end up on the front page of Hacker News, and there's quite often a lively discussion of them. Um, and other community sites as well. Uh, how has this feedback loop impacted your writing? Like, I mean, I know that, for example, it's not, they're not always going to be like misinterpreted so much or, you know, but you get a lot of feedback right away as you write quite often, it looks like. Yes. Um, first, I want to say it looks like, and I think this, uh, if I may be so bold, I'm not an expert on lean anything. Mm. My midriff certainly uh, backs <laughs> that up. But, um, <clears throat> my observation, uh, you know, people have asked me, so, how, you know, how come all your posts are on the top of Hacker News? And there's an, a, a remarkably flawed assumption in that, in that question, which is that all my posts are on the front page of Hacker News. That's not true. 
very few of my posts are from in proportion are on the front page of Hacker News. It's just that I write a lot of posts. Right. I'm prolific. And as a result, say only one in ten makes it to the front page of Hacker News. Well, if I write ten a week, I'd be on the front page of Hacker News every week. I mean, I'm just making numbers yeah, up. I haven't yeah. actually studied it. But the underlying principle, and I've in fact written one of, one of my blog posts is, uh, called Write of All Things, uh, speaks to that very subject. Um, I believe, and I think this is, is relevant for people who are interested in, in, in lean publishing, I believe that one of the things about the way we currently aggregate news, opinions, referrals, and so on, whether it be through Facebook, Hacker News, Twitter, Reddit, um, and other mechanisms for sort of sharing uh, attention, sharing eyeballs, this bottom-up idea, this, this, um, this, uh, this idea of um, crowdsourcing uh, attention, which is different than the way broadcasting works, where a few people decide what you want to see, a few people decide what movies to watch this weekend, right. a, few people, a few people decide what's printed in the newspaper. When you have this aggregation thing, um, you sort of ratchet up the everyone gets their 15 seconds of fame uh, concept. Right. And because of that, I believe that, and I don't, I don't think this is something that, that, I mean, some people, you know, game it. It's, a, it's part of their business, search engine optimization, social media optimization. But I think for people who are looking to write, whether it be software or whether it be words um, or whether it be podcasts, I think there's a real incentive today to uh, turn up the volume, to, to write more often. Or make extreme statements even. Well, I try to stay away from that, to be perfectly right. blunt. Um, no, I wasn't talking about you. I was just talking about, in general, you see, like, you know, 10 reasons yeah. why Apple's going to die tomorrow or 10 reasons why, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely people do that. But that, that I mean, people have done that, for, that. That was true when print media ruled the day as well. You know, I mean, trying to be controversial, Rush Limbaugh, right. Jerry Springer, and so on. I, I agree <laughs> with you about that. Um, but I was speaking to uh, the fact that in this day and age... Uh, there's, I think there's more of an incentive to try experimenting, to write more often, to try yeah. writing different kinds of things. When you're writing, uh, and, and this is an example I gave before I even knew about lean publishing, and please correct me if this doesn't fit the lean publishing uh, philosophy, but um, I believe that when you're writing a dead tree book, there's this enormous investment in it which means you have to be enormously conservative. The turnaround time on, on making a change or an edit is massive. So, you, so dead tree companies uh, spend so much time on what you might call upfront quality control. Yeah. There are editors that review. You have this schedule where you write all the chapters. Um, whereas when you're blogging, you just blog. If somebody points out a flaw in your argument, you could take the post down. You could modify the post. You can correct your spelling after people have seen it, after it's on the front page of Hacker News. Yeah. Um, this, this, so you asked about the turnaround time. And I believe that the, the, there are two factors here. One, the feedback loop is, is much tighter because you don't have to wait months to publish a book and get it out there <clears throat> and then read reviews. The feedback loop is tighter, number one. And number two, I think people tend to forget your failures and remember your successes. Now, you know, I won't speak to what happens if you write incredibly offensive things that people, you know, that are, that are notorious, right. not just notable. But if we're talking about the difference between stuff that is mediocre and exemplary, stuff that is forgettable and, and memorable, 
people remember the memorable stuff. So if you write, you know, 10 blog posts and nine of them are kind of like, eh, or meh, I think is what people say on the internet. Hmm. Um, and, but the ninth, but the 10th one strikes people's fancy. That's what they remember. And yeah. so I think for whether you're measuring um, your success in terms of the influence you're having o- over, the, over the future of the human race or the, number, the attention you're getting personally because that gratifies you or the money you're making through a venture such as Lean Pub, I think that the circumstances are such at this time in, in, in history and the internet that you are rewarded for doing things which have a tighter feedback loop and which allow you to be more prolific. And personally, I find that works for blogging. And when I, uh, you know, stumbled upon uh, Lean Pub, it clicked with, you know, what has been working for me as a blogger. Right. Actually, yeah. That's what made you. How did you find Lean Pub? Like, what? What did you? How did you run into it? Quite honestly, I don't remember. Uh, from the time that you said, "Hey, let's talk about this," I've been, I've been sort of, I, I did some quick searches and tried to find out. Did someone email me or something? <clears throat> I, I strongly suspect I found you through like a Google search or something. Huh. But I, 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 I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I ought to, but I don't. No, that's actually really neat. Actually, in some ways, that because I run it's in the last few months, we've run into a lot of people who've heard of us. And that's like a new experience for us at LeanPub, right? But it's and it's starting. It's yeah. I think that's actually really interesting. Um, so, so you've written. So you're the author of four LeanPub books. Um, yep. And you you found out about LeanPub somehow. And then what made you get decide to get started with your first LeanPub book, Book Combinators? Um, well, that one was a very natural fit for me because. What it was, for the benefit of, of people who are listening to this and have better things to do than to follow my writing, um, it was a series of blog posts that I actually wrote as a connected series. Um, uh, combinatorics are, is, is it's a branch of mathematics and, and computer science, and uh, that it, it's, it's of um, sort of deep interest to people who are interested in computer science. But it also has extraordinarily practical applications um, when applied to programming. It's not so much a revolutionary, you can do things you couldn't do otherwise, but it provides a programming style. Um, And people occasionally dip into it, the very popular jQuery uh, library for um, people doing client-side JavaScript, for example, uh, is based very much on combinators, on, on a subset of, of the possible combinators. Uh, Raymond Smolian um, has has written a book called To Mock a Mockingbird, where he uh, exposes this in a sort of recreational math and puzzles form that, that people find entertaining. And I wrote a series of articles about how this could be applied to uh, Ruby programming um, in, in practical terms. And I was already doing that with my blog, and they were already connected. So every time I wrote a new article about them, you know, I always had kind of like a little table of contents. If you're interested in this, you'd also be interested in these other articles. So they were already in a form that made sense to package together in a book-like form. I've been approached many times since I started blogging to uh, write a book of one kind or another, uh, usually some sort of advanced Ruby metaprogramming book type thing. And um, once I uh, saw the Lean Pub concept I, it, it sort of clicked for me i mean literally you know that's nice. it 
Nice. That's 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 exactly what I want to do. I rejected all these other things. They just didn't make sense. And um, I actually have a copy of a Dead Tree book of Joel Spolsky's essays collected, which I like. I right. mean, amongst other things, it doesn't require battery, and it's easy to read in the smallest room of your house. Um, but you know, I never wanted to do go through the process of writing a Dead Tree book, and um, you know, it's not even a question question of the economics. I can always use more money, and, and I don't know why I turned down advances, but um, the Lean Pub thing just clicked for me as something I could try, experiment with. Um, the extremely low barrier to entry was a huge win for me. Huge, huge win for me. Um, I currently publish all of my technical essays on GitHub where I use, I was already using Markdown. Right. And I had done this a few years ago. I fell in love with Markdown specifically because it prevented me from um, is does this interview have to be safe for work no go for it it prevented me from dicking around with formatting yeah exactly <laughs> uh, markdown is just like this is what you can do with it and you know it makes sense to know about bolding things and emphasizing things and doing quotes and uh, headings and after that stop dicking around and write yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's like, and we added support for images, but we're, like similarly, it's like we don't support like layout options or anything. You should be writing, not like laying out your pages. This isn't like a newsletter stick in a cafeteria, right? It's words. That's yeah. exactly uh, what attracted me. So when I uh, when I used to have a conventional blog where I could do tons and tons of formatting things, and I switched to uh, blogging on GitHub for a number of reasons, and one of them was. It, fo it forced me to just focus on the words. Right. It, it, it was a worse is better, sparse, simplified um, approach, and it really worked for allowing me to be more, more prolific. I can just bang out more, uh, more words. I, I now also use Posterous. Um, I actually have two blogs. The right. technical stuff is still on GitHub, and the sort of non-technical social observations, I don't know why, a guy who has some expertise with programming thinks he also knows about freedom or politics or something. It's, it's really ridiculous hubris. But um, that stuff, I use Postress because it works in much the same way. I send it an email. Yeah. And my email client, it does allow me to bold things and so on. And actually, if I hunt through the menus, I can find other ways to format emails. But my brain sort of thinks that emails are mostly text. Yeah. My brain doesn't try to format things and think about how it's going to appear on a page and whether I could stick an Amazon affiliate ad link on there or whatever. My brain doesn't do those things when I'm in an email client, and that allows me to write more. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. We actually, at LeanPub, we used to support HTML or Markdown because we figured, well, Markdown, some people might not like it. But then people tried to do lots of formatting with their HTML, and we're like, no, you need the formatting. You only need the HTML that you need in Markdown. And it's like, well, then why don't we just use Markdown? Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my yeah. theory is that if any of my books become, so, become extremely successful, then I will be able to do a royalty split with a designer who can, who can fiddle with things. Yeah. And if they're not successful enough, then I'm not going to do that. And I don't believe that, that there is the case of a book that I write where if only I formatted it beautifully – then people would buy it. I'm not in that business. There are such books, coffee table books. Um, children's books can be incredibly effective when, when you pay a, a great deal of attention to the design and layout and so on to create interest. I, I, you know, this is not a general purpose piece of advice for people about writing, but I think for my writing, it's perfectly appropriate to just focus on getting the words out. Um, and then, you know, in the fullness of time, and I believe this is part of your philosophy, 
if any of these things become a huge hit, you know, then I can reconsider um, going to a different system where they are more laid out, more formatted, and possibly monetized. Yeah. You know, in a different in a different manner that can take advantage of, of their layout. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for us, it's like <clears throat> we see LeanPub as the best way to do to write in progress books, like to self publish in progress ebooks. And like, I mean, we feel that publishers have some value, but the value they offer is at the end of the process, like in terms of taking something that's good and adding polish to it. But that if you take them and bring them into the beginning of the writing process, you can have effects that you don't necessarily want right so um yeah and also, and also publishers are good at putting physical books into channels something that you know we don't have any interest in doing so yeah so what you're saying is completely the lean pub philosophy um so let's talk we talked about your first lean pub book tell me about the other three that you currently have on lean pub well let's see from memory um i have one called uh, steal this book this is my favorite and i believe least popular yeah um, that one I uh, am trying to give away and not making much headway. So my, my observation about that one is that people like free stuff when they think that it has a monetary value and they're getting it for free. Yes. <laughs> if you tell them it's, 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 it has... If you had a one-day sale on Steal yep. This Book, you normally had a $20 cost. I'm sure you'd have like about 10 times as much. That's that, that. That is my exact experience because I did have a yeah. one-day sale on uh, one of my other books, uh, which was how to uh, do what you love and earn what you're worth as a programmer. So, um, so I'm going to come back and talk about that, or I assume you'll ask me about that one. Yeah. Because, because I, I think we both learned something from that one-day sale. Uh, the uh, third of the other three books is called What I've Learned from Failure. Um, that book... Uh, I believe is the most valuable book I've written so far. Um, that I started blogging at a time when there, it wasn't even a blog; it was just essays on on my own personal website, and um, they would get discussed in like Google groups, the equivalent of you know Usenet groups and stuff like that. And people would just follow the link and read them, and then tell me what an idiot I was, and so on. And um, I was mostly mostly writing about. Um, agile methodologies and my experience as a, as a software development uh, manager. And I wrote a book called What I've Learned from Failure, where I listed sort of four sort of software development anti-patterns and talked very far. I mean, it was one of those sit down at the keyboard and open a vein um, essays. You know, it was very heartfelt. And it was my first sort of big internet hit. And... Um, over the years, I've continued to re return to the theme of um, sort of software anti-patterns, not always in a nasty way, sometimes in a very positive way, but about things that, you know, we believe to be true about developing software that aren't really true and why. And um, what I've learned from failure is a collection of essays that meet two tests. Number one, they were all popular. Um, one kind or another, number one on Reddit or Hacker News or whatever. I mean, these things go back to, be, some of these go back to before there was a Reddit. Um, and uh, the other test is that I personally have a big emotional investment in them. And I think, if I remember correctly, that was my second Lean Pub book after Combinators. Yeah. Um, and um, that one, I actually, if I remember correctly, I originally charged like $10 for the Combinator book and $20 for the what I've learned from failure. And my theory was that the kinds of people who are interested in software development at that level are, you know, tech leads, 
software development managers, working programmers, you know, and and therefore they ha- they ought to be able to afford more. Right. And I, you know, I have no complaints with the number of people who who who, who bought it for fifteen dollars or twenty dollars, whatever I charged at the time. Um, I over the years also constantly got asked for advice about getting a job as a programmer and some of the most discussed things I've discussed, not disgusted, right. <laughs> commented upon things I've ever written have been around either personal passion for software development or around getting a job as a software developer. They're deeply related issues or about interviewing people. And I hastily threw together a collection of those articles, which is, which formed the basis for, um, how to do what you love and earn what you're worth as a programmer. Um, but I didn't put nearly as much work into sort of fixing up the essays. And it was kind of the redheaded stepchild compared to the other two books. And uh, sales weren't really going anywhere with it. So um, what happened? Well, I wrote an essay um, in conjunction with with your excellent work, um, oh, the name of the book fails me. But you wrote a book in support of the EFF oh, yeah, and freedom. Oh, yeah, uncensored. We did a uh, uncensored. That's yeah. right. Um, uncensored. Pardon me. Having a senior moment here. You know, ready for another <laughs> ready for another espresso. But um, I wrote an essay for Uncensored um, called um, "I Have a Bad Feeling About This." And that one, not quite at the level of, of uh, I hereby resign <laughs> this week's thing, um, but it actually got a tremendous number of retweets, views, discussions on Reddit, discussions on Hacker News. It really struck a nerve with people. Unfortunately, as far as I can tell, they didn't all rush to buy the Uncensored book, which is really bogus. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's the, the, those are the breaks. And, and, and uh, you know, I mean, our job is to lead horses to water. Yeah. Um, but it really struck a nerve with people. And I sat there after writing it, and I had a real uh, imposter syndrome feeling. Like, here I am talking about intellectual property cartels and freedom. And I do write, um, I've written a number of free sort of programming libraries that I give away. And all of my words, you know, I don't think there's a single essay or anything that's in one of those books that isn't also on the web somewhere for free. Yeah. You know, I like to think of myself not so much as selling the ideas as much as selling a convenient format for them. Yeah. <laughs> like I sell packaging, but the ice cream's free. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. <laughs> well, basically you're selling, you're taking the blog to, you know, like if you just do a vanilla imp- import into LeanPod, we're just taking your blog and reversing the order, basically. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly. That's it exactly. So, um, I, I had. No, I'm not going to say paying a conscience makes it sound like you know I shaved my head and became a Buddhist monk or something, which is you know ridiculous hyperbole. But I did have a kind of feeling about it, and I wanted to give something away. Right. And uh, the how to do what you love wasn't you know doing well financially, and as compared to the other two. Right. I mean, first world problems here. You yeah. know? <laughs> and, um, you know, when I thought about it, it kind of had the most value in another way. 
different than the value of the Combinator's book. I mean, fundamentally, that's a, look, you've already got a job. You're already doing something. Here's a way you could do it better. But it's not going to, like, help you get a job to read my Combinator's book. Right. You know, that's not what it does, right? No. And it's, that's not what it's about. It's about really enjoying it. It's, it's for people who love their craft and they're, and, and they're like, interested in it. And, and, and the, you know, um, the, what I've learned from failure is a book for people who are, le- who are leading teams or aspire to lead teams or who are influential in, 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 in that process. And again, there's, I'm, I'm sure there are some people working in not-for-profits and so on who don't have a lot of money to spend on a book. But fundamentally, there's a real economic value there that you can touch. And, you know, honestly, if someone doesn't want to buy it, I, I don't need to give it to them to make yeah. the world a better and place. Already, most of the readers of that book are already successful, right? Like if it, you're reading this, you're a software development manager. Yeah, or yeah. at least or, the, you know, the, or, or, yeah. or you're an employed developer who's who 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 wants to print it out on paper, roll it up into a tight tube, and then hit your manager with it. <laughs> <laughs> Read this book. <laughs> um, but the you know how to do what you love had some stuff in there that really I felt like man, if there was anything I should give away, this is it. I mean, there are some people, it's, it's, it's ridiculously arrogant to think that there are people whose you know, lives will be horrible if they don't read my words on how to get a job or, some, or how to be passionate about your work. I mean, no, not at all. And, and you know, especially when you consider that I hadn't really put a lot of work into making it a great book. But I really kind of felt like, hey, you know what? If this isn't really like taking off, like, give it away. Let people just use it. It's, they're already free, but, you know, here's another channel that, you know, by which people can take advantage of these. And, hey, if there's one person who gets it, you know, a bunch of people download it. If there's one person who gets a job because of it, you know, or who gets another, like, $5,000 a year because, you know, there was a tip in there about negotiating your salary, you know, right. or something. It's like, yeah, the world's a better place, and that's much more important than making another 50 bucks or something in, in royalties. So I said, yeah, let's do it. And um, don't ask me why, but it's like I had this idea, one-day sale, you know, just like, you know, tomorrow it's free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go get it. And for some reason that, again, struck a nerve with people. Yeah, I mean, it was- It's ridiculous. My co-founder Scott, I submitted it to Hacker News. We we normally don't submit any lean pub things, but he submitted that one because um, usually usually your stuff ends up in Hacker News anyway, and we don't we try not to sort of be like annoying about things. But like yeah, it showed up. He submitted it because it was like wow, this is cool, and then it just took off. Like we had you had like how many like thousands of sales that like in terms of thousands of downloads, of free sales, but also a whole bunch of paid sales that day. A ton of paid sales that day. And there were people who were commenting that they felt guilty, they felt pressured, and so on. And I had to get on Hacker News and say, no, honestly, I'm sincere. Take it. Yeah. I mean, I, one person was mad about our slider, right? The, yeah, the slider makes me feel guilty. It's like, <laughs> yes! I, it's like, I told them, we, have a, we, we brought a designer on, and the first thing I, t- I asked him to do was I said, I want a royalty slider. I want, I want it on the purchase page. I want you to be able to drag how much you're paying. I want to see the royalties get affected. And then we were, we were joking about, like, you know, hey, we should, like, um, when you drag the price down, you should like show like food being removed from an author's plate or something. <laughs> or else we're, thinking, we're, we're joking about making the color of the slider all red and whatever. We're like, no, let's just go from like a nice happy green down to a kind of light gray, meh, as it gets cheaper. And it's like, it was, I think we hit the right balance there where most people thought it was cool. And so a couple people got angry, but lots of people liked it. And you got a lot of, a lot of revenue from that. It was like the best day, like for a book. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. pretty fantastic. Absolutely. Um, it did, in fact, uh, blow up. And, and I told people, hey, you know what? Um, 
if you really feel like se- se- sending me money, you don't even have to like pay for this book. Take it for free and buy one of my other books. Yeah. I mean, you know, get get a twofer if you feel like spending. But uh, it was financially successful, uh, which was great. Um, and it did get. I, I haven't checked this morning, but I think maybe seventy six hundred people have downloaded the book in total. Yeah, yeah. One day, and there have been continued, and it actually motivated me to go in there and and clean some things up and tidy it up. Um, and uh, then um, when uh, when you worked on um, on the EFF thing, um, that. You know, it sort of struck a chord with me again, and I uh, I made the fourth book, steal this book. You know, there's there's been a theme on my blog from time to time about freedoms. Um, it's something I believe in very 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 deeply, um, and the importance of of information and opportunity being accessible to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I recently wrote uh, something, which is now in steal this book. It's the latest uh, chapter of it, called a woman's story, which is about my mother. And about her becoming a, an early programmer. Some people said the first uh, black woman programmer in Canada. I don't know if that's true. I, I haven't done a survey. Um, but certainly one of the earlier ones. I think she got started in the late 50s um, in programming. And, um, you know, the, the machine has the power to democratize us. Yeah. It, it, as I said in the essay, which is something that she told me, you know, it didn't care that she was a woman or that she was black. You know, the machine doesn't care that you're in, uh, if I remember correctly, British Columbia. Yeah. As opposed to being in Silicon Valley. I mean, it's humans care. And yeah, you make deals and, and bump into people at the coffee shop and so on. But, you know, the machine does give more opportunities. It's, it'll never be a perfectly level playing field for everybody everywhere, regardless of where they came from. But the internet and openness do create more opportunities and they give us more chances and they make it more possible for small businesses to, to grow into really huge businesses and so on. And I think those, all of those things are important both for moral ethical reasons and for economic reasons. I think that the more open our societies have been, there are a bunch of reasons why North America has become very, very successful economically in the last 50 years. Um, cheap oil, for example, should not be ignored, but, um, but a certain amount of that does come down to to people's freedom to be able to you know start a small business as you do that can that can sell um, books to people all around the world and and um, and to do so with with very little friction and um, you know that's the same thing that that it's connected in a deep way to, in my opinion to being able to get on the net and read books mm-hmm. and learn things um, without having to pay a university to teach you something or without having to buy a book, you know, um, that you can get something for free. Um, it, you know, the internet is, the, is, will be my children's library system. And, um, you know, I, I'm sort of really deeply, deeply, deeply uh, impressed by Lean Pub in that aspect. I mean, I, it's not like I've been to your offices and I've looked at them and I've met you in person. And I was like, wow, these are you know, these are the guys who are going to change the world. I, 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 I can't say that, but I can say that Lean Pub, to my, in my opinion, is emblematic of or, or symptomatic of or an exa- exemplary exa- example of um, of what makes this time and place in history with the internet and openness and accessibility so special and so so wonderful this this idea that people can write words very simply 
create a book, maybe make some money, maybe share it, you know, maybe make the reputation for something else, and 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 do so with very little friction, without needing an editor and a selector and and trucking physical books or you know an ISBN number that you have to apply for and 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 so on. All those things to me, you know, they 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 resonate. Um, with my personal beliefs, my opinions. Right. <laughs> let's let's face it. I'm not an economist. I'm not a futurist. I'm not an expert. But uh, you know, I, I I believe it's important, and and so it clicks with me. Thank you very much. That's really nice to hear. Um, <clears throat> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of in terms of lean pub, like for us, yeah. Um, we we like our basic opinion, our opinion about what we're trying to do in the world is uh, the writer and the readers like for the writer it should be you sitting at your computer writing words and then click a button and then everything else should just happen magically and readers anyone who and, and readers should be able to get your word your book like instantly and as much as, as often as you want you shouldn't have to have approval from anyone you shouldn't have to wait on anything you know um, and we, we want to be we just want to be this like sort of like thing that enables authors to connect with their readers like a lot earlier than otherwise and a lot easier. Like it, we, we just wanted to just make, just be this, like that's what, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so, and I, I think it's from what you just said, it sounds like we're getting there. Um, so what's, 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 um, is there anything you'd wish that we'd improve about LeanPub in terms of like, in terms of what we're, what we have now, um, like feature-wise or in terms of for you as an author or for your readers? Mm -hmm. Good, uh, good, 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 good question. Um, I do have a couple of, of ideas. First, I, I love the Dropbox in integration. I'm crazy about it. Um, I actually, uh, and, I mean, this is just me, me personally, but um, I would like to see Either something, either something like GitHub integration, or in the fullness of time, with your, you know, staggering software development resources, <laughs> I'd, I'd like you to build something like that. I actually like already had it. You we, already we had, had it. We had GitHub integration before Dropbox. But <laughs> at one point, before you showed up to LeanPub, we had uh, we had two choices. You could write the book using using Markdown and sync with GitHub. Or you could write the book in a web browser, like we we forked WordPress, um, and so what we realized is that the GitHub thing was not accessible to everyone, to and, the, and the in browser approach was terrible. Uh, yes, like for a book, like it's fine for writing a blog post, but for writing a book, it's just terrible. And so we we thought, okay, well, they both suck. Well, I mean, the GitHub we really liked because we're geeks too, right? And GitHub made sense for us, but it's like so. But I couldn't tell like my father to use GitHub, like yes, you know, um, yeah. So I know I've considered. I mean, we've had some Dropbox flakiness recently, and I've, I've considered thinking, hey, should we bring back Git and GitHub as an option for the technically sophisticated authors who would, who want to be able to say Git push and have that trigger a new book generation? Like, is that is that what you're going for, basically? No, actually. Um... Personally, I, I'm actually one of the most ignorant programmers I know. I, I, I'm just terrible with all sorts of tools and Git push and forking and so on. Um, I, I was thinking more, uh, I've been talking to the uh, Mozilla Foundation people um, uh, lately about some of their visions. 
uh, something super exciting they've just done called uh, Boot to Gecko uh, for, um, boy, if I use an expression like low-end phones, it's like so emotionally laden. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> for, yeah, exactly. Well, but, but you know what? Actually, let's use that word, ghetto phones. That's really important because the fact of the matter is of the six and whatever billion people on Earth, at least three billion of those live in what we would consider ghettos. Right. So a ghetto phone is actually an incredibly important thing. Yeah. So what they're doing, boot to gecko, and I don't speak for them. So anybody listening to this, you know, if you are in any way sort of think, hey, that might be neat, but it sounds like it sucks because of A and B and C. Assume that the might be neat is true, and you should look up boot to gecko. And the it sucks because of A, B, and C is just my misunderstanding. It okay. So you know, if, if it sounds interesting, go find out more. But um, what they're doing is. Uh, creating phones that basically boot into a web browser. There's nothing in between. There's no, like, you boot an operating system and a web browser is one of the 27 applica application icons on your, on your screen. It's all a web browser. If there are 27 application icons, those are images that you tap on just like, you know, like you were faking an iPhone in a, mm. in, in, in a web browser. And um, one of the things that's super interesting about that, of course, is it bypasses all of the big questions about application distribution and blah, 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 and so on. So why I mention that is that in a world where half the population of the Earth had things like this, maybe they'd have like a boot-to-gecko tablet. And when I think about that, I say to myself, well, what are all the things you can't do on a tablet easily? Well, actually, fooling around with Git is something that you can't do on a tablet easily. Yeah. It's just, it's just, Git is so, so tied to our conventional notions of file systems and so on, it just doesn't work. I realize that WordPress, a custom forked version of WordPress or a plugin that publishes to LeanPub or whatever it is, you know, is not appropriate, especially the way I think about Markdown and so on. But I do hope that one day, it will be possible to write a book entirely in a, in, a, in, a, in a browser in a way that is actually closer to the philosophy of what you're trying to espouse now, not fooling around with all sorts of styles and so on, but being able to have various chapters, being able to, to organize them, um, being able to you know, create new content. Get right now, GitHub, if you go online, they don't allow you to tap a new markdown file button. Right. Yeah. They allow you to edit one that exists, but you yes. can't tap a new markdown file button. Yeah. Um, so, I, when I say GitHub, I mean to my mind, yeah, that's like three steps backwards, one step forward. But I, I do hope that one day it's possible to do something like LeanPub entirely from within a browser, um, and I think that would make it make the concept. Hmm instantly that much more accessible to people. The funny thing is it's actually probably not technically that hard. I mean, ironically, we actually use Git internally as well. Um, like whenever you click publish or pre like we had to wipe out some of our old history because we used to do this badly, but whenever you click publish or preview on your book, we make a new Git version of your book. Um, so one of our ideas is that, um, you know, for example, imagine if you had to, imagine if someone writes a great work of literature on LeanPub. Right. right. Imagine if, like, Ulysses had been written on LeanPub. You know how many PhDs would come out of, like, looking at the diffs? Right? Exactly. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I would say, okay, well, here, in this version, he said this, and then, 20, you know, 22 versions later. But, like, the notion of just version control, like, trying to, when you explain, like, what you can do as a software developer to someone who's not a software developer, I can say, look, I can look at a file nine months ago compared to now. I can see exactly what changed in my writing, in my code. Why can't I do that in my writing? Right? The, like, it's like, 
it's like science fiction, right? Because and, and, then, and then you say, well, the answer is the reason you can't do this is your story you're writing is a bunch of ones and zeros, like in a, as a Microsoft Word document instead of storing it as like text. That's right. right. So, but yeah, but in terms of in terms of come back to your suggestion, I think it's actually really doable in that we could just I mean. Now that we've just decided, okay, LeanPub has bet the company on Markdown. We think Markdown is the way to write a book. And we could expose the ability to create new Markdown files and edit Markdown files in a browser quite trivially. I mean, I think they're already perfectly good, like sort of, because it's just plain text, right? Absolutely. Like, we could, we could actually do that, not a problem. And there are Markdown preview yeah. uh, libraries out the yin-yang. Yeah, live preview in project. HTML and JavaScript. You just, there you go. And it'll show you basically what it is. And think, if... Yeah. And you can always use the GitHub API in the back end to continue to store these things in, in GitHub in the, in the fullness of time. You oh, no, we don't store it in GitHub. We store it ourselves in our own Git repositories. Oh, in your own Git repositories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We don't use GitHub for that. The, what we did before is we were just, the only thing we used GitHub for is so we didn't have to do a big hassle around like the Gitosis and whatnot, right? We figured, okay, well, anybody who's using Git probably already has a GitHub account, so we'll have them add us as a, uh, like a deploy key or something. Perfect. But, you know, whatever. But that's but that that kind of not. If I try to explain how to add it, you know, myself as a deploy key, you can see why this is not. It's pretty. Elitist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, very no. elitist. Right? So and, and and a lot of it doesn't even serve programmers well. They're you know they're just artifacts of history. Uh, what we'd call accidental complexity in design. You know the way the way these things work. But I, I think you get my underlying yeah. idea. I'm I'm really excited. I'm, and I'm not saying, like, it's sort of trivially easy in terms of if we sort of write down the raw features, you need to be able to do this and do this and do this. But to be fair, you know, when you look at something, you know, you could say the same thing about creating a, creating a, um, a touchscreen telephone, right. uh, telephone, but, you know, there's a palpable difference between well-designed touchscreen phones and poorly designed touchscreen phones. And I think, being, I think the, the concept of I need to be able to write a book online using Markdown is 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 a tremendous design challenge, and 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 you know I, I I'm, I'm 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 I personally would be phenomenally impressed to see it do to 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 see it done well, and mm. and I and I hope you guys can pull it off. You know, I just I, I just wouldn't want to promise anyone. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, you know, I'm not going to yeah, say we'll, yeah, we'll launch it tomorrow. I'll push it out later today. <laughs> well, we maybe to you should test it. <laughs> that's that's the lean thing to do. You know, the question is what what's the smallest thing we can do that can test our ideas? Yeah, <laughs> that can validate you know the the, the 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 this business proposition or the value proposition and so on, which is you know more to the lean uh, the lean startup concept. Yeah, but, but I'm super excited about that being the future of communicating. Excellent. Wow. Um, is there anything else you, that you can think about that um, in terms of, so one thing, for example, you already obviously have a lot of people commenting in your books um, in places like Hacker News, Reddit, etc. Do you want LeanPub to try to do more to facilitate community around your books specifically? Like, I mean, or, or, is, or do you find you get enough communication through all the existing channels? Um, Right. So there's something. So I've noticed, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a slacker and I just give out the LeanPub homepage. I notice other people like build their own homepages for their stuff. Right. So um, you asked me about community and I think in order to answer, I think that's kind of like a step two. And the first thing, the step one is branding. Now, I'm not sure that everybody needs to have their own custom homepage for their book. I mean, maybe that's an advanced feature that, you know, is a tab for the super advanced people down the road for you. But before I would get to community, I think a really easy way to be able to say, 
for to, for me to be able to go get you know stillthisbook.com or .ca or whatever and and then have it go to the page you already host. Hmm. Um, uh, GitHub has found a way to do that in some sort of awkward nerdy programming way. And I and now if you go to braithwaite.com, it's actually going to a page hosted on on GitHub servers. And um, I would say. In order for me to be excited about building a community, I'd want to be. I would. I would want to, you know, control my brand. Right. And, and um, if you could facilitate that, then I'd be super excited about, you know, tools that would allow me to to build a community. Hmm. Now, all that being said, you'll notice it hasn't stopped me from publishing books with what's already there. So. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and today you could just redirect, like you could, if you wanted to make a, like the what? the sort of no no brainer version where we do nothing. Is someone can make a URL and then point it and redirect it to like limbo.com slash whatever their book is. But I see what you're saying that you you want you want to mask it so that if you so you're, you're saying if someone goes to braithwaite.com slash steal this book, then they end up on your book page, or and if someone goes to braithwaite.com, then they end up on sort of like an author page I think, featuring you and all your books. Or yeah, I think I th- I'm not an expert on 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 DNS. Um, given that Braithwaite.com is hosted somewhere else, that might not be a good example. But let's take stealthisbook.com right. as an example. So I'm getting a brand new domain. Um, I believe that this can be um, that this can be handled now if instead of giving me leanpub.com slash stealthisbook, hmm. you give me stealthisbook.leanpub.com. Oh, we could do that today. You don't have to do anything. That's right. that, that, That's... Just, that's- that was ironically, we went back and forth on which was better. I think that's like the subdomain, like blah.leanpub.com. That um, at one point we had that approach. I'm not sure okay. if that was based on when we were in based on a fork, forked version of WordPress or after. Actually, I think it might have been even, we might even at one point have not been opinionated and we may have supported both. I know that this it's just Rails routing. You can do that. That's not a problem. That, that's, okay. But the thing is, we decided, we decided people wouldn't. We erroneously, possibly, decided that people don't care whether it's leanpub.com slash blah or blah.leanpub.com. They, we felt they both kind of were roughly as good, like in terms of the number of characters. So well, you actually, for you, it's better to be the other way? Like, well, if, if you support blah.leanpub.com, my understanding is that you can then with it's, – it's a, it's a, it's, you, you need to do one other step. And if you do this one other step, then it makes it very easy for me to, to, to create stillthisbook.ca. Um, if you look at the way GitHub pages works, oh, all you have to do is, is create a file called CNAME. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> you put yeah, still, I get it now. So, yeah, you get it? Yeah. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining you give me stillthisbook.leanpub.com, and then in your instructions you say, oh, and by the way, if along with your book.txt, right. You you upload a CNAME file with this format, hmm. then you know, and then it's it would work exactly the same way. Interesting. That, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. that that's quite possibly something we should. Because I know people like uh, like uh, our compatriot, the Grumpy Programmer. <laughs> yes, I think he has his his uh, a custom website for his 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 book, which which you then click a book a pay a link to come to to your site. Yeah, well, it's funny. One of our first successful books was Emmanuel Kiesling's Node Beginner Book, and mm-hmm. he set up a whole blog like blog based. Well, before he made a Limpa book, he had a free tutorial, but then like he set up a really nice um, blog. Basically, our the requirement for us turned into 
LeanPod book pages should not be so ugly that people set up an entire WordPress blog just to say, okay, click this button. And that's like the point of the WordPress blog is to click the button that takes you to LeanPod and you buy it. Like, cause our book pages used to be horrible and now they're, they're, they're passable. I mean, they're, they're beautiful. Cool. I like it. Yeah. And, and I think that, and you can see like our book page looks different than the whole rest of the site. Cause it's like, well, we, you know, we have Steve doing design work for us. And it's like, well, what's the most important page on LeanPub's website? And it's like, well, the answer is the author's book page. So The page that holds the buy button. The page with the buy button, right? <laughs> and the page that the author is their face to the world in terms of their book, right? That's the most important thing. And so that's what we turn Steve Lewis on first. And everything else is sort of our sort of programmer design. And it will, you know, we're going to, the rest of LeanPub will end up looking that good as well. It just has to take a little while. Um, okay. Wow. Okay. So I think, I think we've probably gone pretty long. Um, yes, I've used up a lot of your time. That's no, this is, I, I, it's been really fascinating for me and I think, I think it will be for the listeners as well. Um, yeah. So I think basically Reg, thank you very much for being on the lean publishing podcast and for being a lean pub author. Well, thank you guys so much for creating this. And, you know, as I said, I, and, and I'm not kidding. You know, I obviously, I'm not a venture capitalist. I can't pick winners. I can't tell you who the next Google is going to be. But I do know that what you're doing is important. And I do know that what you're doing is, you know, I believe the future of publishing. And if anybody's going to become, you know, multi-gazillionaires with yachts and so on, I sincerely hope it's you guys. Well, thank you very much.